What's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. So today we're interviewing a psychologist uh, who has actually inspired me in a few ways in the last uh, couple of weeks as I found her very recently on Instagram. And since then, I've been obsessively following the content that's, that she's been presenting. Uh, and it's very unique in the way that she presents it. And it really excites me that we get to speak with her today as I really feel like that this uh, fantastic woman who has a master's in science of psychology uh, and is actually focusing on the idea, her mission is that when her uh, clients leave, she wants to make sure that they have become their own therapist and that really resonates with me. I love that outlook. I love that idea. I love that concept of uh, someone that's wanting to work with people at a deep level and really wanting them to transform themselves from the inside out so that they can become uh, their own healer. And that's absolutely one of my missions as well. So without further ado, I'd absolutely love to introduce Stephanie Karenia. I believe it's pronounced. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. Stephanie, uh, she has a fantastic psychologist account that I'd highly recommend following, which we'll speak about at the end. But for the time being, we're going to dive into triggers and traumas. So if this is something that resonates with you, if you feel that uh, you come across certain trigger points or you feel that you're suffering certain traumas in your life and you want to overcome the suffering, I highly recommend turning in to the things that we're about to cover. So welcome, Stephanie, to the podcast. And I'm very excited to have you. Thank you for all the work that you're Thank doing. You, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to actually hear um, a little bit about what you feel is the most important role for a psychologist. What, what, what's the most important thing that a psychologist must do uh, when you're working with someone? What's, what's your goal, really, with all of that? Cool. Well, first of all, Kieran, thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. And um, yeah, so I'm a clinical psychologist and I started this Instagram uh, posting uh, two months ago. And yeah, I love it. I always wanted to share the, um, the knowledge that I have acquired also from my personal experiences with people out there. Um, and I finally found the platform to do it. And I'm really happy to hear the effect it has also on you because that's exactly what I want people to, to help understand themselves better. So yeah, and it's true. Uh, my purpose is uh, for people to be, my clients to become their own therapist. Um, mm. And so your question was, what for me is the most important thing in that? Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think the most important thing when my clients come in is I don't even focus necessarily. Usually you would say, okay, you fo okay so what's your problem? I don't know. Uh, uh, this and that. Um, I don't necessarily focus on solving the problem. I try to focus to make them connect with themselves first. It's also, there's a psychological term mm. to it called epic, creating epistemic trust. And that means that as a child, um, ideally, we create, epi we get epistemic trust. That means that we are able to learn from the information that is given to us uh, outside there. So usually healthy people uh, are always uh, cautious of just taking some uh, information from someone. They check if the source is good, and then they take the information in. Unfortunately, a lot of traumatized people, and I'm not talking about big-time traumas. We can also be traumatized at a very 
um, on an invisible level, um, have struggled to trust people and to take information in. So you, a client can go to a therapist and and add uh, and not like, yeah, I hear you, I hear you, but they won't let the information in. Um, because they don't trust they, their, their epistemic trust, their system, their autonomous system is not well developed. So that's my focus. So my focus is not telling them what to do. My focus is to connect them with their, that, their own delicate system of being able to trust their own judgment and who to trust and who to not trust. So if they wouldn't trust me, I would perhaps even tell them, listen, there might be a reason that you tr don't trust me. So perhaps that's a healthy thing. And we go from there. Right. That's very beautiful. I really enjoy that. And that's definitely something that uh, I didn't even realize that I, uh, I did as a coach uh, in terms of the terminology mm -hmm. around that. I didn't realize it was, that's what it was called. Uh, so, yeah, that's definitely something you I learned right there. That's great. Uh, but yeah. I feel that it is yeah. very as, important and, 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 that the person starts inwardly, right? The first person first looks within as that's where really a lot of the answers are. Yes. And that one, that's very important, but even as important is the fact that they understand that there is a system within them that can guide them. And if you are able to help them make that clear to them, you are your own therapist already. We just need to mm. unlock that ability. And when you see what happens, yeah. it's very interesting with my clients because they come in like um, uh, they feel powerless, weak, they feel they don't have any influence. You know, it's like um, it could be that a therapist's tendency was to be to help them immediately. Well, mm. if you only focus on reconnecting them with their own power, their own autonomy, their own, you know, by even being confronting to them, sometimes they're like look, looking at me like, Oh my God, this, I, I didn't expect this. Yeah. yeah, they're like, and then the end of the, 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 the therapy, I'm not even talking anymore. They are explaining themselves to me and everything that's going on. And they're actually just ready to leave. That's perfect. Yeah. So you just empower them and then the rest can be history. Yeah, I really, I really love that. And that ends up having a flow on effect, doesn't it? Meaning that when they start to come mm -hmm. across certain issues later, because they've been empowered yes. rather than you're sort of solving it for them, that gives them the ability yes. and the tools in order to solve those future problems, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So I have a question. Where do triggers come yeah. from? Why do we get triggered? Yeah. With triggers, I assume that you mean like uh, that we suddenly become emotional and might react um, irrationally. Is that what you mean? I don't know Correct. if you have an example. Yeah. So, so well, let's go. Let's go with emotional triggers leading to uh, yeah an actual physical reaction. So, for example, maybe relationships might be a good one since they're <laughs> they're you know uh -huh. basically oh. a hub yep. of triggers, right? <laughs> um, so let's yeah. go with relationships. Say within a relationship, someone feels triggered by an action or something that a significant other might say, and they feel wounded yes. or they feel hurt by that, even though it might not be directly yeah. towards them. Mm. Yeah. So um, with, with, with triggers, what happens, um, that's the difficult part. And by the way, what's interesting is that... 
our daily lives, we have different roles, right? We have, we go to work or study or, I don't know, do something else. Uh, we have our social life uh, with our friendships. And then we have romantic relationships, right? And um, what happens is that mm. at work, uh, and perhaps work is the, the safest space because at work, it's sort of structured everything. There is a certain role, right, um, that, that you have. So mm. you can hide people won't come that close so chances are you won't be that much triggered at a in a job setting and and that's why some people are able to hold jobs but not relationships uh that goes for right. friendship that's the next level french friendships also relationships that comes a bit closer than work right because that's not a typical mm. role. You just also show your own emotions and your things. So that comes closer. So that's why sometimes people can hold their uh, uh, a job, but struggle with friendships. Then we go to uh, the top level, and that's romantic relationships. That then people come as close as can get, and that's what uh, that's that's when the tr you will be triggered easily. Does that make sense? Mm. It does definitely. Yeah. Y yeah. Yeah. And now and, and, where do these come from? Yeah. So why is this created? So, okay. So suppose we're in a relationship and what happens is, um, you have your, uh, like as a child, we basically grow up blank, aside from our temperament that we were born with. Um, the rest of our personality gets formed with the interaction of how, um, uh, we experienced life which for part, large part could be the parents uh, or teachers, um, how we have experienced and to what extent our childhood needs have been met sufficiently. Uh, definitely not everything has to have gone perfect and uh, our par parents can forget you every now and then or whatever can do things that are not, not good. But as long as the overall um, uh, basic needs were met, we're good. Okay? We're safely mm. attached, okay. if we would say that. Okay. Suppose, yeah. and there are different kinds of needs, and on my posts, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm making a lot of effort on my posts to describe all these kind of needs, and when these, all these different kinds of needs that children have, when they're not met, not sufficiently, what core, core belief will uh, develop? And that core belief is a way we will view the world, the child will view the world in a way to be able to adapt. For instance, S say that your uh, parent, and given an extreme example, but uh, your parent is beating you up, okay? So the message you're basically getting is uh, people are not to be trusted, right? They can just cross, uh, yeah. overstep your boundaries and start hitting you. So then a child cannot understand, well, it's just my father's trauma and other people are safe. The child is not able to understand that. So a child mm. will project that on to the rest of the people and will be mistrustful of the world. So, and if it takes that, that core belief with them in, in adulthood, then it, while it's not the case, because it was specifically the father that was traumatized, but other people won't start hitting you, are to be trusted, do mm. care about your needs, and, but you treat them as if they uh, don't care about you, then there will be discrepancy and you ha will having, be having problems. And suppose that if mm. as, uh, your, your need, uh, you have developed the core belief, emotional deprivation. Nobody cares about me. My needs won't be met. Or if they're met, at some point they will find someone they like more and they will leave me. They will abandon me. Okay? If as a child, that, that 
core belief is 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 uh, developed. It's a it's a hectic one. It's a very painful one, deep one. It's in the early childhood when a lot of damage can happen. And if we take that in uh, our adulthood in our healthy relations uh, in our uh, relationships, what can happen is suppose that your partner uh, says to you, uh, "Honey, today I cannot join you, unfortunately, because I don't know something came up." Um, Normally, if there wouldn't, if you wouldn't have any uh, outdated false core beliefs, you can uh, you don't lose your mentalizing ability. You can think, oh, perhaps he he has really has something else. He usually is always there for me, so I don't take it personally. Okay, honey, enjoy, bye. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, if though you have that uh, abandonment core belief, that wound basically that is not healed and still open, and you're not aware of it. What's going to happen is what you are going to hear that person say is, honey, I don't care about you. You, yeah, I don't, I don't care about you. I just want to do my own thing. Bye and uh, enjoy your day <laughs> to say it in a nice way. But it feels very harsh yeah. to that person. So that, yeah. yeah. And that person yeah. will feel like a child again, hurt, abandoned, and might be able, might be able to start making a tantrum, become very angry and you're always leaving me and everything. And then a fight starts to develop. Does that make sense? Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. I I see how strongly those core beliefs are developed from those childhood experiences and then how those core beliefs then become the projections or the filters really of how I will end up perceiving what's around and what's happening around me. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Perception. Yeah. So now, yeah. how does one undo this perception? How does one undo this story, this um, this core belief? Yeah, that's a good question. So you know what the strange part is, and I'm curious if the listeners out there have experienced this themselves. I have experienced this myself uh, in relationships. I only now can see how I, with my ex, was triggered sometimes. Um, so- that now only now I can see in hindsight that my that core belief was triggered, for instance, or another one. At that moment, though, it felt like the truth. Uh, that yeah. so that is it's very important for people to understand when they sometimes even they read the core beliefs and they're like, okay, I don't have that. But when you really go through a, a conflict that they had, chances are they were mid in the midst of such a core belief, but they didn't realize it. So that's why I'm also posting a lot on self-reflection, self-reflection, self-reflection. If the only way to get out of this is to be able to look at ourselves from a distance, to be able to see what is happening, let alone changing it. Mm. A lot of people uh, and therapists and clients are talking about, I need to change my behavior. I need to change this behavior. I'm like, no, we're not going to change anything. The first step to everything, I mean, if you can change anything, I'm happy for you. Good luck. <laughs> I'm just saying changing things is very hard. And that's definitely not step, step one. Step one is to be able to look at yourself from a distance, to be able to identify and observe it first. Because what happens then, and this is a psychological process, we call it, it becomes from ego syntone to ego distone. What happens is 
at first, also with, when we have critical voices, uh, like, oh, you're screwing up, you're failing. These are critical, inner critical voices taken off from us from, from childhood. When we're not aware of them, we will think that these are true. Only when we realize, when we look from a distance and know, ah, I read about that this might not be me, this might be my wounds that are triggered. Only when we understand that, we will separate it. This stone means from the word two, it becomes instead of one, united with ourselves, it becomes distant from ourselves. We can distance, mm. differentiate it from ourselves. And as if when we are uh, manage to uh, do that, to differentiate uh, what's happening inside us from reality, that's already a huge step, self-reflection and identifying it. Yeah, that almost comes back to the um to the uh, the Buddhist understanding of I am not my body, I am not my mind, I am the observer yep. of all things. Yeah, and th- exactly. that's just it, right? It's it's really uncovering who is that observer, what is it, and uh, yes. how do I step back from that emotional and mental experience? I absolutely love that psychological um uh, position on that. So. Um, stepping into that how can someone actually do that in a practical way because of course I, I guess meditation might be one way that someone might actually learn to actually get in tune with that idea but do you have any other practical steps that allow someone to become more of the observer rather than actually within that emotion and mental experience yeah. Um, yeah. So med- what I love about meditation, I still haven't started doing meditation myself, but uh, what I love about it um, is what meditation basically does is it, it gets you to your true self. It gets you into your body. So um, for instance, when we feel anxious, uh, sorry, everyone, you see a lot of posts, uh, we should stop being in our mind and being in the present etc. So basically what happens is when we are in our minds, we are in the past or in the future, not living in the now, basically anxious. And chances are these are dominated by the false core beliefs, by our ego. Okay. And what we want to do is get out of that because it seems it is very, for a lot of people, it can be the illusion that when we are in our mind, that, um, that we're actually working on it. Uh, I used to, when I was very uh, emotional, start thinking, 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 thinking to think my way out of it. The problem is, though, (laughs) (laughs) it's called hypermentalizing. And then it gets worse and worse and you get totally stuck and it's Mm. not good. And now I finally realized also by um, reading about Eckhart Tolle and distancing yourself from the labeling that you're doing, to go into your body, into the now, by just breathing, uh, proper breathing, uh, and uh, understanding that all these labels that we um, are placing on everything, those are their suffering. Um, meditation can help us go there. Um, yeah, I'm thinking also of other ways. Um, I think the realization is just really, really important. If I can give you another example, by the way, what really has helped me, is um, understanding what Eckhart Tolle was describing in his book, The New Earth, um, understanding how the suffering that we create um, is largely caused by the label we place on the issue. So I'm not Mm. even calling it on the problem, 
because something might not even be a problem, might just be an issue. We cause it, we make yeah. it a problem because of the false core beliefs that we attach to them. Yeah. For instance, uh, if I, I, I was failing in relationships and uh, while I was successful at work and with friendships. So I felt like being a really big failure uh, for not being able to do that, um, uh, to have a relationship. Um, and I remember that there was those moments that, that so I was very happy and, and, and uh, uh, moved to South Africa, beautiful environment here, being nature, I had the best, basically one of the happiest times of my life. And then suddenly that thought came in, oh my God, you're not in a relationship, you're failing. And it was terrible. It, it, it's, yeah, I don't need to describe to a lot of people out there how much that can be, um, how painful that can be. And then it's, that's yeah. what the moment that I realized, oh my God, is this what Eckhart Tolle or other Buddhists mean when they say, I just managed to put a label on something actually neutral. I, mm. uh, I might not have a relationship, but I'm very happy. But the failure part, that's my false core belief, I'm not good enough. I placed on it, I associated with it, and that's when I started to feel terrible. And being able to realize that label that I put on it made me also um, detach that label and then just go on with my life being happy. Right. Does that right. make so sense? So becoming aware of the yeah. label itself, it does. So becoming aware of the label itself and then changing my mental structure around that. So the things that I'm telling myself will allow me to distance myself from that label. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. A label is usually a judgment on an issue. And why do we feel the need to judge an issue? Why would we judge an issue? Right? Mm -hmm. We could be unhappy with something, but why say that this means you're a failure? This means that what is the purpose? What would it add to it? I'm wondering, right? Doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it sounds like that those, um, the, ex so my experience of those labels will be based off my core beliefs, correct? Exactly. Projecting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'm okay. loving where this is going, Stephanie. This is fantastic. Thank you. So uh, now that say one has gotten to that point where, okay, well, I'm aware of the fact that I have this deep core belief that I'm not good enough, uh, that I mm -hmm. am, I have this abandonment issue, uh, not problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, I have this abandonment issue and mm -hmm. I feel abandoned when my partner doesn't want to spend time with me or when my friend yes. doesn't want to hang out with me. Now that yes. that person is aware of it and they've created this understanding that, okay, well, um, I'm the observer. This isn't the truth, right? I, I know that yes. this has come yes. from somewhere. What is the next step? Yeah. Yep. So already, so the first step has been already created because now what happens is that person sees in, oh my God, my childhood wound of abandonment is triggered. Now, but I now realize it's not the responsibility of my partner. My partner is not the trigger. Okay. It's not the cause of the problem. It might trigger it, but mm. so now I need to self comfort because what happens is now that poor child has been um, activated. That poor child that felt abandoned has been yeah. activated. That hurts. It hurts like crazy. It hurts some, some, sometimes so much. Can yeah. you imagine? Do you remember when you were a child and you got hurt? It hurts so much. 
if it's not comforted. Oh, I remember so even you times need to over the years in my adult life when I've been really hurt. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is it is excruciating pain, and sometimes it's so excruciating. Mm that we might feel the need to just become very angry only, etc. doesn't matter. You need to self-comfort yourself. Uh, I don't know what you can do. Perhaps create a safe space already now. You need to do the work pre, pre-work so you already will know how to handle when you will get triggered. Create a safe space. What would a mother do or a father do to their child that is freaking out? They would comfort them. Come here. Come sit over here. Can I give you a cup of tea? Um, a, a hug. Give a self-hug. Uh, watch a nice movie for yourself. Try to do anything you can to calm yourself down. Because if you're going to start thinking your way out of that at that moment, it's not going to happen. Because we're when, when we're in a heightened state of arousal, we're not able to think. We can't think, so we're illusioned by it, but it will bring us only further away. So we need to calm ourselves down. And then you And then when you restore your mentalizing ability... And then you can think a little bit more clearly. You will feel it in your body. You will start breathing uh, uh, more um, uh, peacefully. Um, then, then you, uh, when you're in a normal state again, then you can start thinking and perhaps just looking for a solution. Or, but that's number one. Yeah, and that's why I love the uh, work of this holistic psychologist so much. Sometimes I refer my followers to her to take them to the next step. To, to, to do the, 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 the things that she's saying to do because I feel that she is specifically also focusing on how to heal that wounded inner child. Yeah. Yeah, I see. No, this is, this is brilliant. So essentially, mm-hmm. uh, one is to become aware of the uh, issue, right? One becomes yes. disassociated with the issue, understanding that this isn't me, this is my experience, Right. And then one is to calm themselves down within the trigger until they get to a point where they're able to be more conscious of, uh, of what the issue actually is so that they can actually think more clearly about it. And I know for myself as well, create, I think I love what you said about creating a safe space. I know for myself Mm -hmm. that creating a safe space has been so important and that's definitely been through breath, through closing my eyes for meditation through being in touch with nature, those sort of those certain mm-hmm. aspects have allowed me to feel that sense of safety, and then uh, then I can reflect on that experience from that place of safety rather than from a place of fear. Um, I know that's definitely yeah. been for me. Um, yeah, and I'd even yeah. love to hear about um, are there any further steps that one has to take uh, to build on top yeah. of that so that they can actually learn to or rather yeah completely learn new programs in their mind so that when they next come across the experience of possibly feeling abandoned their experience with that is different so what are the steps that someone is to take to actually reprogram their mind yeah. so that okay that doesn't happen next time yeah so now you're talking about okay that's when we get triggered how do we deal with it to 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 not create to do damage control basically and what you're mm. asking me now is how can we perhaps also start preventing it? Uh, can we change yeah. this, uh, these core beliefs, right? To not be triggered yeah, all the time. Yeah. Um, and by the way, what you said, the safe space that you create, I totally agree. Uh, I think that's very important for people to learn to find a safe space because pain can sometimes be unbearable and we need first to have a safe space to be able to handle it. 
So don't try handle pain when you're not in a safe space. Good luck. I've tried it. Yeah. I haven't managed to do <laughs> I've it. I've tried it. So too. I really yeah. can recommend. Yes, it's a no. It's a no go. So if you can be mm. able to find a safe space, I don't know what it is. I even have clients that have visual safe spaces. Whatever it takes, as long as you find one, it's, it's crucial. Um, okay. So yeah, when we talk about the core beliefs, um, first of all, I've I've written down all the core beliefs on my on my Instagram for people to be able to identify them because that can be a lot easier. You can also find it on the schema therapy site where it describes the score a score belief, um, uh, the core beliefs. Um, uh, so first of all, it helps if you can identify which those are. I think that are about 18 or something, but the first four are, are the basis uh, and the, the, the toughest. And sometimes people, because they're so um, basal, I don't know the English word, but they're so deep ingrained, they're so already from child, early childhood, we don't even recognize them. Um, and what happens in the, the later stages of childhood uh, some core beliefs get added, added up to it. So the first eight core beliefs are developed in childhood, and then the later, the afterwards, these are the compensations for the first core belief. So for instance, if you have the core belief abandonment, um, uh, they will leave me as soon as they find someone that's nicer or, or whatever, um, they will start compensating, perhaps by creating a schema, a worldview of... As long as I please that other person and I'm self-sacrificing, that person won't leave me. So they develop compensationary mechanisms, schemes, uh, uh, schemas, core beliefs, uh, ways of viewing life that they take into adulthood. But that's a big problem because if, if you keep on pleasing other people, um, you're self-neglecting, but you're also not neglecting your... Um, your partner or your friendship because you're not really showing yourself. So identifying those core beliefs is, is the first step. Um, and then trying to, to <clears throat> self-reflect in daily life, that self-reflection is key. I even <clears throat> wrote a, a post and it said, we're all, I'm not sure if I can say the word fucked up, effed up, <laughs> and you can edit this. Um, no, it's okay. The only difference <laughs> is... Okay, cool. So we're all, yeah. Um, the only the, the only difference is to what extent uh, we reflect. It all depends on to what extent we reflect. All we are crazy, but it's all about the amount to we are able to self reflect on our behavior and the effect it has on others. So if you can do that, that can be transformational. Anyway, so if you don't give in to those core beliefs anymore, if you stop pleasing people, if you stop being the nice guy, if you stop being arrogant or dominant to compensate for the core belief, I'm not good enough. Uh, and otherwise they won't love me if I'm not dominant or whatever, uh, or center of attention. If you stop doing those compensatory um, uh, behaviors, Anxiety will come up because then the, the core beliefs will come up. Oops, I'm not good yeah. enough. They will see me. They won't love me. They will this. It will come up and it's going to be anxious. It's going to not be fun. But if you are able to go through it and see that if you don't compensate, if you don't please, you're just yourself. If you're not being the center of attention and you see that people respond in the same way to you as before, generally, 
you will be able to see, oh my God, so I can actually be myself and be accepted? Couldn't anybody tell me this earlier? Yeah. <laughs> and that takes faith and courage, doesn't it? That takes a lot of courage, but it's understanding that it gets yes. harder before it gets easier, right? It gets more painful yes. before it gets more peaceful. Yeah. Yes. That's, oh, yes. That's so key. Oh, that's juicy, yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and that, that's, that's very tough. So, of course, if one is to change their mentality, they must first change their behavior by the sounds of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm thinking now of an example, with even with stay consistent with it. And I'm thinking of an example because I have been observing this and I cannot preach this and not do it myself. <laughs> so I um, have been observing, my, observing myself as well. And I was, uh, what I observed with myself is that I um, tend to hide, to hide behind my being a psychologist mask. So yeah. I love uh, talking, right. talking to other people about their problems and they tell me and then, and then, I realize that I say a couple of things on myself, but I don't really, sh really show me. I don't really say my real issues to them. So I'm only uh, always kept in a safe, safe, it's safe comfort zone um, by doing that. Um, yeah. Perhaps underlying there was a core belief of shame, uh, feeling shameful of myself uh, that will, they will think I'm awkward or crazy or I'm not good enough or... I don't know, I have been shamed as a child, so perhaps that's my mask. But it is interesting that I didn't even notice it at all. Uh, only when I, at some point, was this was funny. At some point when I was talking to people, I, I, thought, I thought of them, wow, these people are a little bit superficial. Um, anyway, that's what I thought. And later I started self-reflecting and I thought, <laughs> Steph, could it be that... Perhaps they weren't the one being superficial. You were the one not showing yourself. And that not oh, particularly yeah. evokes them to show their vulnerability. Right? So good. <laughs> so good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. And it was true because as soon as... Thank you. Thank you. And as soon as I started to, to challenge that with that same girl that I found superficial, we had an amazing conversation. I, I, I showed myself and then she showed herself and we went into great depth. So that was, it was so wow. funny, but yeah, thanks. That's, that's an example of self-reflection. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so powerful. So powerful. I, I'd love yeah. to hear even, um, because it sounds like uh, you really understand the level of pain that can be brought up within that sense of abandonment, within that sense of uh, fear of abandonment as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you mind even um, talking about an experience that maybe you've had around that feeling and what you did in, those situ in that situation in order to actually change that and shift that? Yeah, um, I'm thinking... Um... Perhaps with my ex-boyfriend, I, I only now realize what happened. But at some point, I, mm. I was always easygoing. And at some point, he said, I'm not going to join you to that party or whatever. And I became so upset because there was miscommunication or whatever. And that I just took my stuff and left. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Instead, yes, I just left. I was like, for me, it felt like a big time trauma. It was like breaking up with yeah. me. 
it was it's wow. fascinating it, what the feeling that I think that he was in shock he was like hmm? <laughs> can't we have a conversation you know <laughs> and <laughs> and um, so uh, yeah, unfortunately I wasn't able to see that something was triggered then um, and he just gave in he came to the party with me um, I think that now what I would do is this is a good question. I think to be able to recognize as soon as we suddenly become very emotional, if there's a trigger and we, we notice, oh my God, like a minute ago I was fine and now I'm like feeling almost traumatized or so emotional, chances are we are triggered. And then it's important for us to first self-soothe instead of we should not act. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, by the mm-hmm. way. appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen you uh, mention, and I love this, by the way, uh, trauma is not caused by the actual event, but by the mm-hmm. powerlessness associated with it. That is golden. Yep. Yeah, that yep. is golden. So I'd love you to elaborate on that. What do you mean by it? And can you please tell me what is for you golden? Because I remember that you responded to that. What is for you the golden part about that? So the golden part about that is the fact that in the past, I used to believe that trauma came from the specific events that occurred rather than Mm -hmm. actually my experience Mm -hmm. of those events. For example, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the example I like to use is uh, I used to be afraid of flying, but now I'm not. It's still the same experience, yet mm-hmm. my relationship with flying is different. So there's a change mm-hmm. there. Now, I never understood this fully for a long time. And that was especially in relationships, if it was around someone that I liked, right? And they didn't show love in the way that I felt mm-hmm. that, um, in the way that I mm-hmm. received it, then mm-hmm. I would feel unloved. And mm-hmm. I would be triggered in that way. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was the fact that when I started to view these certain experiences, when I reflect on them now, I, I see them as completely harmless experiences. Yet in the moment, I associated them as trauma and I built trauma, layers of trauma on top of every experience simply because it was one experience mm-hmm. um, like very long ago where. Uh, I was uh, cheated on by a girl that I was with. And from there, many layers of uh, uh, trauma just continued to stack on top of each other every time I would see uh, the person that I was with um, be very friendly with mm-hmm. another guy. I would That would stack mm-hmm. upon the previous trauma and it would continue to add mm-hmm. to it. Even though it was a harmless experience, mm-hmm. yet because... I already had that core belief within myself. I felt powerless within that event. Therefore, I added to that trauma that was already there. So that's an example mm-hmm. of um, of what I mean. So I'd love I'd love to uh, hear your thoughts on that. And as to yeah. uh, is it the same uh, is it the same process of as what we just explained when it comes to undoing that. And yeah. what, what can someone do about their trauma so that they can learn to heal it? Mm-hmm. And so you talked about, you said, so this was my core belief being triggered, right? Did you say that? I was curious what your core belief was then. 
So my core belief was then that uh, if I'm if I'm with a girl, she will leave me, right? So that was my core belief then, mm. and that was mm. the and she yep. will leave me for yep. someone else, right? So that was the abandonment yep. core belief that you mentioned, yep. and yep. Yeah. it wasn't, yeah, and that every single time I came across mm. an experience, it's like the trauma grew bigger and bigger and bigger, yep. even though nothing was actually yep. happening. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Great question. And I'm, I'm posting regularly on this because also of followers that send me a lot of messages. I hear this so often. He left me or she left me without a reason or uh, she doesn't give me the love the way I wanted it. But while I do everything for her um, uh, and what you're describing is that you felt traumatized and afraid and powerless and afraid that it will happen again, which makes total sense yeah. because um, uh, um, if someone does something to you and you feel that you didn't have that you didn't have any part in it, that is that is very scary, right? Yeah. Suppose that I would have a relationship and I would give everything to that guy, and that guy leaves me or cheats on me. That would be very scary because I would have no influence over it, right? And then next time I would be afraid that, of course, I can be just left being, you know, just randomly without me doing anything in it. So having the idea that you didn't have any influence over it is terrifying and traumatic. If that's true, if you really didn't have uh, any part in what happens, and sometimes it is, sometimes it has nothing to do with us when our partner cheats on us or, you know, or, or leaves us. That, that can be, that is their own process. But often we have a part in it. And um, if that's the case, then it's really important for us to be able to understand, to make sense of it. Why did that person cheat on us? What happened? Was the connection not that good? What was my part in it? Um, uh, and as soon as, and it's not nice, of course, but as soon as, uh, and I've listened a lot of to, to Esther Perel and her uh, podcast on relationships, it's, it's very insightful. And then it's beautiful to see both sides of the story in the interaction. And mm. uh, it might be painful to see, ah, uh, so I, I remember a scene of uh, her, her clients and saying that he, uh, he disconnected from her and uh, left her in the end. And she had no clue why I did everything for you. I gave you the way she was talking. I gave you sex and everything. And she, he said, you gave me sex, but it was always just for, to please me. And she said, yes, I was just pleasing you. Yeah, but that wasn't real connection for me. Because I want you as a person. I don't want you pleasing me. Um, so these are small examples of how we both can contribute to a problem. But you can imagine if that woman is totally unaware or her defense mechanisms deny her having any part in it, how traumatizing it can be. Because basically he says, I tried to connect with you, but you were pushing me away. And she says, you, you pushed me away. So she doesn't see it. Does it, does it make sense? What I, why, what I, yeah, I'm trying to describe. Mm. Yeah, I love, I love the idea of actually seeing where the other person is coming from with that experience. Even though mm. it would be a very painful process to do that, 
mm-hmm. it can definitely be a very insightful experience. And it comes back to that idea. It gets more painful because, before it gets more peaceful. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it definitely gets harder before it gets easier. Um, yeah, that, that's, I, I really love that. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you, maybe tools or practices that you give your clients, that you give the people that you're working with, uh, so that they can take those things away and uh, they can work on themselves and they can progress. Are there certain things that you give them? Yeah, so I'm not that specific with assignments and things. I guess that what I, the messages that I, when they leave, what I think that they need to know is that they are responsible to meet their happiness basically is meeting our own needs, setting our own, uh, creating, um, having our own desires, um, living our own life, setting our own boundaries. We are responsible for that. No one else. A lot of people mm. think other people are responsible for that. No. And if someone hurts yeah. us, we are responsible to deal with the emotions. It's not the other person's fault. That yeah. to be able to liberate themselves from that. So to it's meet powerful. their own needs, that's that's the goal. Yeah, I, I, I read this, I, I wrote this post and I thought, oh my God, this is so, so, so everyone would already know this. So I was, I didn't think to, to, to write this down. And then suddenly I got a lot of people that didn't, weren't aware of this. We are responsible for our emotions, not other people that hurt us. So we need to set boundaries and it will free yourself in your own life. So we are responsible to meet our own needs, to make ourselves happy, and we also need to do that. We also need to, and to be able to do that, we need other people. We are all the time in relationships, in, in contact, in communication with other people, uh, all the time. All the time, that means we will be triggered if our core beliefs are uh, outdated still, we're gonna have struggles. And that's what I'm trying to, uh, so what I really try to learn them to self-reflect. Okay, so you feel she left you, so you feel she, uh, he, um, she became distant. Uh, could it be, why would that be? I've tried to help them reflect. Okay, yeah, I realized I was distant too. Okay, self-reflection, uh, that's what I teach them basically. Yeah, beautiful. And yeah. Is, is this, yep. um, this is obviously a process that can be done with someone else, um, in other words, a psychologist or a therapist, but also is definitely it, so. I'm assuming they can also do this on their own then as well. Is this something they do through self-talk? Is it something that they can do written? What is your recommendation? Um, yeah. Uh, so that's for me. For me, this whole territory is new. To, uh, I've only been specialized in working with clients who get the psychotherapy, mm. right? So I haven't really experienced yet for people who are not in psychotherapy, who are perhaps also uh, have. Uh, more healthy capabilities, how can they self-help? So that's something I'm experimenting with. That's why I write down all these core beliefs. I just put out all the information out there and um, they can figure out themselves how far it will get them. Or perhaps they can decide themselves, do they need to go into therapy? So I think, let me put it this way. I think, and also with self-help books, that can be amazing for you to be able to understand and differentiate your that your what you're thinking is not who you are okay but to be able to change core beliefs from the inside out so they're not being good enough etc those are chances are that you might need therapy could be because uh, you often need to understand what the root was 
what was it exactly in the interaction with the parents, for instance, and they need to guide you emotionally. So it all depends on to what extent will our defense mechanisms hold our hold us back. Uh, when they say, no, it's not true, it's not true, it's not true, then you probably might not be able to to change your core beliefs because you're in denial. You make it, your defense mechanisms are too big, but you can just try. You can try how far you can come. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I think that's so important as well. There's definitely been so many times where it honestly wouldn't have been possible to do it on my own. Maybe it would have been eventually, mm-hmm. but to the pace and the speed that I've been able to develop uh, is actually massively thanks to the people that I've worked with I've worked with the holistic psychologist, luckily, that was two years ago. That was amazing. Um, and also, I've had a coach for a very long time now, over a year. And uh, these are definitely things that I've had that opportunity to have that support so that when I do mm-hmm. step into that or fall into that denial of, I can't do this, that's not true, they're there to actually help me out of that. And I think that's so important eh? uh, to actually have mm-hmm. someone to almost give you that little little push or a little um or a little hand on the shoulder so that hey you know what you can do this yeah you've got this i'm with yeah. you um yeah I and, think and, that can, is and, and don't and don't underestimate our own people around us our friends yeah do definitely. you know how much i mean that it's not for nothing that there's so much group therapy group therapy is often more effective than yeah. individual therapy that is because what other people say can be so powerful you know what's funny in, in group therapy, we always make sure that we won't say give the message. We want the clients to give the message because we all know all therapists know they won't listen to the therapist. They will listen to the clients. Yeah. <laughs> so don't underestimate your own friends and all the feedback that you got. But you need to be open to the feedback to it and not dismiss it. Something I posted yesterday on. Yeah. So we can also learn mm. a lot from each other. Yeah, definitely. I, I really yeah. love that. And- it's almost, I'd, I've definitely found as well, like I've participated, I've participated in men's circles, for example, many times. And that experience mm-hmm. of speaking so vulnerably on the same level of someone else, rather than being talked to uh-huh. or asked about, it's just simply that experience of hearing others going through similar experiences yes. can be such a powerful and uplifting support on its own, right? And that's one thing. And that's also awesome. when they confront you, right? Yeah. And when they confront you as well, yeah. that can be also very insightful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that. No, th- thank you so much for this, Stephanie. This has been absolutely amazing. Um, I do have a couple more. I questions love the conversation. Thank you. To, yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you do for your own personal development on a you know whether it's a daily, a weekly, or a monthly basis? What are some things that you do for yourself? Yeah, so I used to be a very outgoing person and perhaps I was also looking for something, you know, uh, and and yeah, uh, and I finally realized uh, everything you need is inside, right? So I'm just turning more inwards now. So time for myself, time to reflect um, is, is, is key, time to reflect, reflect, um, understand what am I doing, what am I feeling, not pushing emotions away. Being mindful of those things, um, self-reflecting, what is the effect I have on other people? Um, yeah, I still I still need to start 
basic practices like meditation, but I've come already a long way. I was, um, I had a period that I was always partying, always out, couldn't be on my own, yeah. uh, not alone. Now I'm, I'm having the time of my life uh, being alone and <laughs> really becoming coming to deeper levels. So I'm very happy about that. So I think I already come, have come a long way, uh, but still getting wow. there. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm actually the same. I'm always finding new ways to grow and um, I feel like it's just a never-ending journey, but that's the beautiful part about it, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It means that there's so much more to learn. Yes, yes, awesome. yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, oh, very cool. Um, so what lights you up? Um, hmm, what lights me up? Well, <laughs> um, I, I just love psychology. I've always said that. I love working with people. I love um, sharing this knowledge. It, it might sound a little bit cliche. I can't help it. But I used to say sometimes to people that you can wake me up in the middle of the night just to, to solve a case, uh, <laughs> to understand people's behaviors, just an interaction with people. Uh, I'm really people, people. So that lights me up. Being in nature lights me up. I love hiking here in Cape Town. Um, I love. I just love mountains. Um, yeah. Well, uh, Holland's probably not ideal then, eh? Because it's so flat. <laughs> <laughs> Holland is definitely not ideal. No. <laughs> I guess that's why you're in Cape Town. And Holland now, doesn't. Right? Exactly. So I will miss the the. I will go back to Holland. I will miss the mountains and I will miss the sun. Yeah. But hey, there's other things there too. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. still need to make my way over to Holland, actually. Um, I've got a lot of uh, Dutch friends and um, oh, they're all fantastic. Some of them are very tall. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I'd love to go. Yeah. Dutch people are the to second tallest people yeah. in the world, Thank apparently. Thank you once again, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you, Kieran. Second? I, who's the first? Do you know? I thought Dutch were the first. Uh, the Maasai, a tribe in uh, Africa. Oh, apparently. that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh -huh. uh, awesome. Well, thank you, Stephanie, once again. Um, I'd like to uh, actually ask, where can they find you? Because you've got Instagram and your website. I'd love you to share it. And also, I'd love everyone yep. to know that all the details will be available in the show notes below so you can access and follow Stephanie. Where, cool. where can they find you? Yes. So, on Instagram, I'm posting daily at, at psychologist Stephanie. Um, I also started a page on Facebook, uh, also a psychologist Stephanie, uh, my website, uh, also psychologist Stephanie, uh, the link is in the bio of my Instagram account. Um, yeah, I'm trying to develop more things or, but I just started, I only started two months ago. So, but yeah, you can find me on a daily basis, uh, on Instagram with my posts and uh, you can uh, communicate with me, um, Q and A's I do every now and then. Yeah. Awesome. No, thank you. And um, yeah, I'd highly recommend everyone that's listening and has gotten anything out of this, which I, I bet you have, because <laughs> I definitely have, uh, <laughs> to actually go follow her and stay up to date with her content. It's, uh, it's really insightful. It's beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful tool for self-reflection, Evan. And, um, and also, I must say, excuse me for the uh, we've had a few connection issues, I know, over the um, course of this episode, but um, we got so much out of this, which has been fantastic. So I know, I know that you'd appreciate the content that's been there. So those that are listening uh, and you feel that you got any value, please subscribe um, and give us a rating as well. Uh, honestly, ratings and reviews especially 
allow us to gain more reach so that we can actually get these messages, uh, this, this helpful content out to more people so that it can actually help more people, which is the goal of this podcast, right? It's to actually expand uh, overall assistance with those that want to improve their mental health. So uh, that would honestly do us and um, hopefully you know, um, other people as well a massive favor in doing so. Uh, for those that want to continue to follow us, all right, uh, remember podcasts out every Monday at midday New Zealand time, all right, new fantastic podcast like this one. And you can follow us on Instagram at Coach Keza or at The Pocket Coach as well. Uh, finally, you can find us on www.healingwithkez.com uh, and add a slash healing community on the end of that URL, which the link will be in the uh, description below. And you can uh, get access to a community like we spoke on, which will give you uh, that access to others that are going through similar uh, struggles, similar issues, rather, I should say. I'm changing that term now from struggle to issue. <laughs> and so that you can learn to start to elevate that as well, um, elevate out of that into a more profound experience of life. All right, without further ado, guys, much love. Instead, let's... Singing on.